Hello, and welcome to the Odd Topic Podcast. Here, as always, are your hosts, Luke and Brett. Okay, roll the episode. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for, you guessed it, Another Cryptid Roundup! Well done, you made it like, what, four episodes into Woo. the season? <laughs> I wanted to be episode one, baby, but yeah. you know how it is. I'd have fought very hard to get it to this point, so <laughs> let's go. <laughs> now, are you guys tired of the common cryptids? I mean, who hasn't heard of Bigfoot and the Loch Ness Monster at this point, right? Well, if so, then you're in luck, because today we're coming in hot with two of the more lesser-known monsters out there. Before we jump right into those nefarious beasts, let me just give a bit of a background for those who are new to the show. Once in a while, we like to tackle one of my favorite subsections of the paranormal genre, cryptids. A cryptid is another name for an animal or creature not yet classified by science that may or may not exist because of the lack of proof or sightings available to confirm their existence. A lot of cryptids are based purely on tales and folklore, whilst others have a lot more evidence in eyewitness accounts. Now we do a lot of science and history and paranormal stuff on this show, but a huge part of the driving factor for this podcast was our love for the weird and our passion for the unknown. And what better to embody this passion than mysterious monsters of the abyss? So in other words, I love talking about cryptids. And that's why we have a whole segment dedicated to them. Let's have a look at what the strange world is offering us today. Starting with the Mongolian Deathworm. How metal is that name? It would make for a great band name. Like every time I hear the word Mongolian, it was like Mongolian throat singing. It's <laughs> yeah. always like so much more hardcore. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we are Mongolian Deathworm. <laughs> there is 100% a band name that. Like there's no chance in hell that there's not a band already existing called Mongolian Deathworm. Otherwise, it's our new band. <laughs> when we do throat singing. <laughs> All right, so let's set the scene. A group of Mongolian wanderers traverse the vast array of desert in front of them. The harsh sands of the Gobi Desert stinging their faces as the wind pelts against them. The heavy sunlight beating down on them and it feels like the dunes have no end. Suddenly, one of the wanderers notices a disturbance in the sand. Ripples as if a fish was swimming near the surface of a lake. They stare in wonder and confusion when out of nowhere, one of them feels a sharp pain in their leg. He looks down to see a disgusting segmented worm-like creature latched onto his calf, gnawing at his flesh. Another worm breaches the sand and spews a foul, poisonous fluid all over the men, who, now writhing in pain, quickly succumb to the worm attack, never to be heard of again. This is the story of the Mongolian death worm, or at least a story I made up based on the accounts of several Mongolians in the 1920s. Sounds terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> Said to resemble a large segmented worm, the Mongolian deathworm, aka the Olgoi Korkoi, is a creature that grows up to be approximately one meter in size. Now you might think that's a bit small, based on the idea in your heads of the worms from Dune and so on. But in reality, 
One meter is very long for a poisonous acid-spitting worm. Ogoi korokoi roughly translates to large intestinal worm, which gives us a pretty gross but accurate idea on what the worm may look like. That name seems a little bit overkill. Yeah. Why would you need to include the word intestine? <laughs> Everyone knows what a worm is. <laughs> no one needs <laughs> reference. It's believed to be an aggressive creature that will attack on first sight of any other living being. It's allegedly dark red in color and has some strange abilities, like spitting corrosive fluid out of its intestines, being able to shock its prey from a distance, and latch onto enemies like a leech, draining them of their blood. Quite horrible sounding, yeah. Shocking. It really it, is gross. Does it like electrify people? I don't know how and who came up with that one, but <laughs> apparently so. It's how it attacks from a distance. That was like a big focal uh, point. Could still get you, you know? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, it's not the fastest sounding things. Yeah. I mean, if you look at things like June, it is, but <laughs> I mean, I can't imagine like a one meter worm through sand being very fast. Then again, there's like snakes and stuff come at you real fast. Dude. That is also true. Like sidewinders always, and stuff. I always picture those things, like, or especially the worm being within the sand. Yeah. Those, those snakes. Well, that's I mean, what the report is. They like live under the sand yeah. and they kind of burrow to where they need to get When you to. walk past a kitcha. Yeah, a kitcha. Basically. So in reality, there's basically no proof of its existence. A lot of this is just tales passed down throughout the generations. It's allegedly very rare to ever encounter one, and so far there's no photographic evidence at all of the existence. In 1926, a man by the name of Roy Chapman Andrews, a paleontologist, published a book titled On the Trail of Ancient Man, where he described in detail various eyewitness accounts of the worm from Mongolian locals. He himself never believed of the worm's existence, but even the Prime Minister of Mongolia at the time believed in it. And he said, It is shaped like a sausage about two feet long, has no head nor legs, and it is so poisonous that merely a touch leads to instant death. It lives in the most desolate parts of the Gobi Desert. So he was convinced. But the what? Sausage. <laughs> I know. Now, I don't know if I would... Describe it to be shaped like a sausage or not. <laughs> that is maybe not the most fear-inducing description. I'm starting to like picture why intestine was eventually brought into the description. <laughs> Look, it's a very aggressive, scary sausage. Okay? <laughs> so, in 2005, journalist Richard Freeman went on an expedition to find the worm, but he was unable to find anything at all. More expeditions were done in 2007 and 2009, for various TV shows, but still nothing. This is kind of the boom of that, like, History Channel. Um, what are those shows? Like, the mysterious kind of monsters of whatever. Yeah. And then go out on all these adventures and try and find stuff and have a whole bunch of kind of fake-ish scares and whatnot. A bunch of these shows try to do on, on the Mongolian death world. It's basically the gold rush, but for media and animals yeah. and species. Man, channels I really respected went full tilt on this weird paranormal oh, stuff for a while. Yeah. Like Animal Planet, what the hell was that? I mean, that whole, because didn't Animal Planet do the whole mermaids thing as well? Yes, yeah, yeah, which was so hectic. Very, very strange. Anyway, <laughs> I guess it was all a money-making thing, but either way, these guys came up with absolutely nothing. So no more can really be said about whether or not the worm exists, as there's still no proof at all. But that's not to say that the idea of it did not inspire many other stories today. So some believe that it was the inspiration for the sandworms of Dune, Though this is unofficial. And there is a whole movie called Mongolian Deathworms out there, 
which grossly overplays the creature's size for a more entertaining story. <laughs> so does Dune, in all fairness. Yeah, pretty much. But at least Dune wasn't like, hey, we're taking this. You know, this, <laughs> this is our inspiration. The creators of Dune made no mention. No. But the idea of it was out there at the time. Yeah. So it's either a big coincidence or they took somewhat of an inspiration. I think they just took inspiration from the fact that it is scary as hell to think that under the sand, there is something with giant teeth going to eat yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. But that, I saw the cover of that Mongolian death worm. Maybe, maybe we should put it on our Instagram page. Okay. But it is hysterical. Okay, that, that, that's definitely overplayed, but yeah. freaky. In this picture, it almost looks like the face of Predator. Yes. On this huge worm from like kind of dune level sizes, chasing some scantily clad woman along a desert. So yeah, it's a bit, a bit overdone, uh, but very funny nonetheless. Now, the reality is that the fabled death worm most likely originates from the real-life snake, the Tatar Sand Boa. These two have a lot in common. They both reach around the same size, and the boa likes to live in the burrows excavated by sand rodents, so they live underneath the sand. However, the Tatar Boas are not poisonous at all, so who knows where they came from. Perhaps an old tale to scare children from getting too close to the snakes, who knows. One interesting thing to note here is that Roy Chapman Andrews, the guy that wrote that book, a few years later took a picture or I'm not sure if it was a picture or an actual living one of these snakes, the Tartar sandbows, to the people that were laying these claims of seeing the worm. And they all kind of nodded in agreement that this is what they were seeing. Okay. So it kind of even more paints the picture that these guys were thinking that the snake was a worm somehow. And maybe it was just some story to keep people away from the snake. I mean, that is how most of these cryptids come around. Yeah. And then you, you always find common descriptions amongst people. And it, it kind of just gets fueled from there. Yeah, for sure. But I mean, either way, that's the Mongolian deathworm. And it's still enough to make my skin crawl. Bet, what do you got for us? Rhinelander, Wisconsin. A small town nestled in the cold north of the USA. Known for its rich history of logging and lumberjacks, its beauty seems to be slightly overshadowed by a local legend that seems to be taking the spotlight. In 1885, a timber cruiser by the name of Eugene Shepard made his home in Rhinelander. His job entailed him traveling through the forests, surveying the land for various logging companies. Because of this, he encountered many strange creatures, with the Hodag being the main one. Hodam. Hodam, Hodag. Known as the Lumberjack Eater, it was the assumed cause of death to many loggers and lumberjacks that went missing. Shepard first encountered the Hodag in 1893 while walking through the Northwoods. He described it as a stout beast with razor fangs, great horns protruding from its head, powerful claws, a horned tail, and an unsightly face. Sounds like me in the morning. <laughs> well, apparently the Hodag uh, was so appalled by his own looks that he could be heard weeping by the side of lakes. So not quite like you, Luke, no. <laughs> oh, thanks, man. <laughs> In 1939, a novel called Fearsome Creatures, written by Henry Tryon, described the Hodag as distressingly ugly, with a knobbly head of horns, bulging eyes with stegosaurian dorsal spines and a tail with a terminal hook. 
He also says that it is one of the most dangerous woodland vermins, but is extremely susceptible to citrus fruits like lemons. <laughs> I don't know why I love that. <laughs> My life has been saved by the buoyancy of citrus fruits. <laughs> Mitch Hedberg, great comedian. Great comedian. R.I.P. He actually says that the hodag population decrease is due to the fact that locals started introducing more citrus aspects into their diet. A pair of lemons is said to be ample protection against a herd of them and being quoted in saying citrus fruits are in the same ratios as wolves and wolfbane. They come in herds? Apparently. Damn, what the like a bunch of cows, man. <laughs> well, that's why he was saying stegosaurian dorsal fins. <laughs> Some hobag heifers. <laughs> With spines. (laughs) So the origins of the hodag alleges that it grew from a piled ashes of many cremated ox, which perished after hauling timber for the lumberjacks. This origin originated from the 1928 novel titled The Hodag and other tales of the logging camp by Luke Sylvester. Funnily enough, there's actually an image of Eugene Shepard, the original logger, uh, and a group of Rhinelander townsmen grouped around a fake hodag. Really? Um, yeah, which they placed on top of a kid staging an attack. <laughs> Each of the townsmen are holding weapons and the kid is just lying there. <laughs> I'm assuming this is just for laughs. Though. Just for laughs, completely. Trying, no, trying to fake it or something. No, it looked super staged. <laughs> Shepard actually created the first annual county fair to raise awareness for the hodag. He charged admission fees to like fairgoers who were promised a live viewing of a captured hodag, which basically was just this model carved out of wood that he kept in a dimly lit stall. Yeah. Kind of had curtains around it so he couldn't quite see it. That's very like, you know, come on, come on, yeah. see the hodag. Exactly wow. that, yeah. The fierce creature, the hodag, come yeah. see it in its spiny <laughs> back. So it funny enough, it seemed to fool people because the fair was a hit. Word of the exhibit went around and people from all around the region came to come see the the infamous hodag. How dumb can people be? Man? I mean, let's get real. It's like early 1900s. People had nothing better to do. <laughs> <laughs> the exhibit was such a success that people actually started considering it a scientific discovery. This continued all the way into the mid-1900s until skeptics got their way and Shepard's fictitious sightings were eventually realized. Today, the people of Rhinelander are still super proud of their history and pay tribute to the Hodag in quite a few ways. Like, for instance, once a year, you can go visit the Hodag Country Music Festival. You can take part in the Hodag five-kilometer run. Do you think they do a hoedown? Hoedown at the Hodag. Probably <laughs> not. You probably find that that's kind of off-limits with them. You can't make fun of the Hodag. <laughs> you can buy toys. You can buy clothing. Uh, there are statues of the Hodag throughout the town. There are actually a few mentions of it in TV, uh, specifically Scooby-Doo. There were three or four episodes really? where he was featured in Scooby-Doo. Yeah. He was even a presidential election nominee. <laughs> yep. <laughs> One of the statues is currently sitting in front of the Rhinelands Visitor Center and has become a pretty big tourist attraction for the town. So when you search for Rhinelander in Google, basically the first thing that pops up is about the Hodag. I mean, I, I kind of only find out about the town through this. So it doesn't really say much about the town. Yeah, I guess not. Kind of need their little Well, I mean, I've never heard of it in my life. No. But I love the fact that the town's like embracing this and yeah. saying, cool, we are the whole We are ugly monster. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so all I can really imagine is that it's possibly a bear that maybe 
had some some mangy fur yeah. or something. I don't get the whole long tail. Kind of seems like it also could be a crocodile. I mean, it's either that or it's basically just the fact that Shepard was either trying to make money. Yeah. Which he did. So good for you. Or, I mean, he was in a pretty competitive industry. He was a, a logging surveyor. So he would go around the forest and he would be able to tell how many trees of a certain type were in an area. So maybe he was just trying to scare off the opposition. Yeah, could be. Saying, don't come here. The hodag's going to eat you and it only eats lumberjacks. That sounds like something a Eugene would do. <laughs> it's funny that Eugene isn't such a common name anymore, but it's super common in old America. <laughs> like actually, every time I hear Eugene, I kind of think of those old Western movies. I wonder if this came sort of before, during, or after the whole Bigfoot craze. Because you might find that the Bigfoot craze took off, gave some people a lot of fame, and now other people are trying to come up with their own kind of schemes. Yeah. So this dude makes the hodag. Basically. I mean, I can kind of imagine this being after Bigfoot. Yeah. Because I was actually looking through, and you don't actually realize how many different variants of Bigfoot there is. Oh, there's tons. So yeah. get, there's some that can teleport, man. Oh. They let's transcend not, time and let's space. not get back to those stupid scientists <laughs> who think that this is a good idea to say that Bigfoot can teleport. <laughs> I mean, Russia has their own Bigfoot. Yeah. There's the Yeti of the Alps. The skunk ape. The skunk ape. There's the monkey man, whatever. Australia is also apparently oh, very the, similar. The Yowie. The Yowie. There we go. That's the one. I mean, they're all exactly the same thing. Just different areas. and Yeah. 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 When I was a kid, I always used to think... Well, I suppose I still do that. If there was a Bigfoot out there, it would have been like a sort of missing link, you know? Remember that yes, whole thing, the missing, the missing link, link between ape and man. But I guess who knows? Anyway, this is not a Bigfoot. <laughs> <laughs> We've grown beyond that. What did I say? They didn't come here for these common <laughs> cryptids. And look where we're at. <laughs> but really, the Hodag is cool. It is a very unfortunate name. Yeah. I, I also don't get the origin because Hodag has nothing to do with its its look, its kind of area. Yeah. I do like those small town legends. Though. Yeah. There's that other one with that lumberjack. Um, and I think it's a blue bull. Okay, I've never uh, heard of that. What's his name? So after a quick fact check, that's Paul Bunyan I'm thinking of. I think I remember him from Simpsons. I think he had like, <laughs> part of that. Seriously? But he was also like a giant lumberjack in the American and Canadian folklore, okay. I guess. And he was accompanied by Babe the Blue Ox. So Paul Bunyan is the cryptid or did he create Babe the Blue Ox? I think together they are both just folklore legends. I wouldn't say cryptid because he was just a man. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to... Um, But the ox is a blue ox. Must be a cryptid, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Like a loosely defined cryptid. Anyway, there's a massive statue of this dude somewhere in America. But that is pretty crazy. So more legend than cryptid. Yeah, but basically the point I'm getting at is... There's a lot of these very unique small town legends. Ah, Mothman was another example of one place that that whole town became, there's a huge statue of Mothman and it became Mothman Central. Yeah. Obviously for tourism reasons, as is with the the Hodag. But um, it's pretty cool that these different towns have the unique cryptids. Anyway, guys, thanks so much for tuning in. That is all from us from another great and glorious Cryptid Roundup episode. You know them, you love them. They're my favorite. So before we get into the whole social media spiel, please open up your ear holes because we have exciting news about a competition. Yes, we do. We did mention it before, but 
There is a fantastic giveaway competition. All you have to do is like and subscribe to various social media things, which Brett will take care of in a bit. <laughs> Mostly, though, check the website. That's where you're going to find most of the stuff. But there's various steps what you got to do. You know, like, subscribe, tell your friends, share, all that goodness to help get us out there. The details will be available on the site, but you're going to be able to win some really cool microphones. Mm-hmm. Not just any microphones, Rode USB microphones. Yeah, podcast specific. We want you guys to be able to launch your own podcasts. Yeah, but listen to us first and then launch your own. <laughs> <laughs> but they're really cool. And then also some Our Topic merch. Yeah. So get on that. So for more information, you can find us on all major social media platforms at Our Topic Podcast. You can also check us out on our website, OurTopicPodcast.com. If you want to email us, let us know some stories or some topics or whatever. Community at OurTopicPodcast.com is where it's at also if you are a little bit more technical go check us out on Podchaser. it's a pretty cool podcast social media platform that is actually pretty much keeping people more up to date than any other platform so go that's check cool. us out there you can give us a like a rating and all of that it really does help so that's it from us guys until next time stay fresh stay freaky bye, bye.